Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast, where we bring insight, keys, and perspective for everyday living through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm honored to have you here. Whether it's your first or hundredth time, know that you're in the right spot. And before we jump into part two of our current series, To Whom It May Concern, I want to celebrate with everybody some things that I posted last week. I actually upgraded the tier um, of my plan on Fireside, which is the hosting platform I use for Vantage Point. And I was able to get a deeper look at kind of the global impact that Vantage Point has had since we launched in 2019. And I wanted to share that with you today. And I mean, I know you know where you're listening from, but what you may not know is that Vantage Point has listeners across the globe. And for just for just to break it down a little bit, Vantage Point has reached 38 U.S. states, 36 countries, and six continents. I know, right? That's crazy. Six continents. So if you're in Antarctica, according to everything I read, there's like one to five thousand people in Antarctica. So at any given time in the and during the during the year. So I know there's somebody down there. Definitely tune in. I will also share top. Five U.S. states. We have Oklahoma, Virginia, Texas, Ohio, Illinois. I love what's funny about two and four. I've never been to Virginia or Ohio, and to my knowledge, I know no one in Virginia. I know a few folks in Ohio. Um, but our top five countries: number one, United States; number two, India. So shout out to all my India listeners. Uh, number three, France. Shout out to you all. It's definitely on my places to visit. Uh, number four, Germany. And number five, Canada. And and I just want to real quick need need your help. If you're anywhere, wherever you are listening to Vantage Point, if you know somebody in any of these states, Montana, North Dakota, uh, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Nebraska, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Alaska, Hawaii, they haven't heard Vantage Point yet. If you know somebody, share, share, share on any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Um, There's many other platforms, or just send them the website, vantagepointpodcast.us. And then, as always, please continue to pray for the reach of Vantage Point. uh, Two years ago, after we hit our one-year anniversary, I literally said this in crazy faith that we would surpass 100 nations and 1 million downloads. And I know that sounds wild, but I'm telling you, we're closing in on 20,000 downloads and we're closing in on 50 countries. So with countryside, we're halfway home. And then for anyone that's listening on Vantage, or listening to Vantage Point, you've been a guest. Uh, you said a prayer. I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your support during this journey is so appreciated, and I want to encourage anyone who supports Vantage Point. We have a Patreon page. Uh, You should actually see the phrase below the description of this episode and any others, support Vantage Point. You can literally click on that. It'll take you right to the page, and you'll be able to support financially. And then also, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I want you to leave a rating, leave a review. How has Vantage Point impacted you? And let's continue to make a point and make an impact in this world with this message, changing lives, giving insight, keys, and perspective for everyday living. Well, I am so excited to continue our series, To Whom It May Concern, Letters to the Church. And last week, we kicked off this series 
with looking at the church of Ephesus. And I encourage you, if you haven't, go back, check out part one. Uh, we not only looked at the historical aspect of, of the church, but also how the message to Ephesus is relevant to us today. And this episode, part two, is no different. And we're going to be looking at the second church mentioned in Revelation 2, and that's the church of Smyrna. And we're coming from uh, Revelation 2, just a bit further down, verses 8 through 11. And it says this, write this letter to the angel of the Lord in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead but now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogues belong to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you, some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And I just want to give you a little context on the, on Smyrna, the city, right? It, it was a large city, uh, important again on the coast of Asia Minor, um, pretty much close second to Ephesus in terms of of just its notoriety and what it's known for, but it's definitely known for schools of medicine and science. Um, Smyrna is actually the Greek word for myrrh. Uh, it, it's, that's a fragrant, a, a fragrant perfume um, used in burial. And many people believe that this church, the church of Smyrna, represents the martyrs of all the ages and the sweet-smelling fragrance of their faithfulness unto death. And you see, this is actually one of two churches out of the seven that we're going to cover that got that received no rebuke in their letter for this church and their faithfulness. They were faithful until death that their candlestick had never been removed. And the one thing about Smyrna is that they suffered. And we mentioned it. Maybe I didn't mention it earlier, but this church, when you when you Google Smyrna, the constant thing that comes up is the suffering church the suffering church. It's actually the first thing mentioned in the letter. It says, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. And what an, what an interesting statement. Like imagine walking up to someone and saying, I know about your suffering, the pain and the anguish you are experiencing and your poverty, the, the state of being extremely poor, but you are rich. These two statements contradict each other at face value, but I'm challenging you today as you're listening to this episode, look deeper at this church and subsequently ourselves. And remember, we talked about this last week. We are the organisms of the church. Where is the richness coming from? See, it's coming from the relationship they have with Jesus the relationship they have to their faith. And, and and for the church, this church specifically, they have suffered and they have endured and they've lost, but yet they're still rich in their suffering because of their connection to Jesus. See, suffering without Jesus is one thing, but suffering with Jesus may be the most and best thing about this walk. Think about it. How does your faith grow? 
How does your commitment grow? How does your love grow? It is in the moments where Jesus shows us. He shows up in the midst of our struggle. He shows up in the midst of a pain. Think about a painful moment. But even in that pain, Jesus is right there with you. And see, this church faced so much from culture around them, the false religious leaders, the Roman culture, but yet they stayed true to the gospel. And doesn't that sound like us today, 2022, facing the culture around us as the church, facing religious leaders who are, in essence, false teaching and and false doctrine and all the things, and then having to face specific cultures and specific demographics and all those things. But how do we stay true to the gospel? In essence, that's the question for the church, both the organization and the organisms. How do we handle suffering? And see, I mentioned this long ago, and it's something that, you know, is is relevant to know, but Christianity, Christians account for 2.3 billion people on earth. So that's, that's a third, roughly a third of the population of this planet consider themselves Christians. And we're not going to get into the breakdowns of beliefs and denominational practices and theology. That's for another series. But think about this, 2.3 billion Christians experience suffering in some way because see no one said the walk would be easy but not every jesus loving christian gets to experience the freedom to worship openly and in public as we do in this in america you know going back to the demographics and, and the countries that vantage point has been listened in um the Holy Spirit really showed me some things about that. And one of the things he showed me is a lot of these countries don't have the full freedom to experience Jesus as I do, as we do, for those that are listening in the United States. And and one of the things, I found an article that actually outlines and lists the most dangerous countries to practice Christianity. And the article was in Christianity Today, and it listed the countries in three categories, extreme, very high, or high. And in the extreme category, there were 11 countries. And let me tell you, Vantage Point has been heard in four of those countries. The very high, there were 24 countries altogether, and we've been heard in seven of them. And in the high, next category, three out of 15. So out of the top 50 most dangerous countries for a Christian or to practice Christianity, 14 of those countries have been touched by Vantage Point Podcast and experienced Jesus through this podcast. But what did it take for them to get the gospel? And I want you to think about that for a minute because If you're in the United States, you're probably sitting in your house, you're driving in your car, and you're listening to me right now. But for some people in 14 of these countries, they may not have the luxury, the freedom, the autonomy to really listen and really 
share. And I know that's something I said. I said it earlier in this episode. Share, share the God, share this with somebody. But what if they're in a position where they can't? What if they were impacted by a message on here and they were impacted by what God has given me and they are burning inside to share it, but they can't because they were in a country that would put them to death for even thinking about, for even listening to a message about Jesus Christ. Like that that really puts so much into perspective with this walk and really for the church, it gives us some things to really think about and ultimately have to hold on to as we go through this walk. Because I I just started reading some things about Smyrna, watching some videos, and man, did this church suffer, but yet they stayed faithful. And we sometimes walk, even in this country, even in the United States, we'll walk through and we'll let the simplest thing contradict our faith. We'll let the littlest thing come against our belief in Jesus Christ. Whether it's our job, our friends, our the culture around us, we will compromise our allegiance and love for Jesus to be comfortable and not have to suffer. And it's such a wild thing how suffering brings us closer to Jesus. And even going back to the scripture, in the suffering, you're still rich. And, and there's five things that I want to leave with you, even as we go through this episode. I want to leave these five things with you. And the first one is this. The ultimate victor is Jesus. And that's the first thing we have to remember if we're going to suffer well, is that the ultimate victor is Jesus Christ. Again, look at Revelation 2.8. It says, and the angel of the Lord in Smyrna writes, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, Jesus Christ is the eternal God. He has always existed. He will always exist. And even though he died, he conquered death and rose again. This will give great comfort to this church because this was a church that was going to be persecuted. It was already being persecuted. They might face death. Jesus says, in effect, you know what? I know what it's like to be persecuted by your enemies. I know what it's like to face death at their hands. I understand. See, that's the thing where Jesus connects with us the most. I I feel like, and there's a lot of ways that we connect with Jesus and he connects with us. But when you think about it, it's that suffering that where is is a is a big place where he connects with us. He walks right through it with us. And even the, even the even these believers face death at the hand of persecutors. Persecutors. It's not the end for them. It's just the beginning because he is the victor and he conquered death. And if we're going to suffer well, the first thing we have to remember is that Jesus Christ is the ultimate victor. Number 2. The ultimate test is suffering. And that's that's the second thing we need to remember. 
Revelation 2.9, it says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He begins this like he did the last letter and every letter afterwards with the words, I know. Because see, he knows everything. He knows the suffering that you're going through. He knows the tough times. He knows what you are feeling. He mentions four ways that this church is suffering because he knows exactly how they're suffering. The first, they're suffering through pressure. Verse nine, I know your tribulations. Tribulation means pressure. That's, that's, you know, he's talking about the kind of pressure that comes from when, when you have to take a heavy rock and put it on someone's chest and press on their chest with all your force that suffocates them. It's a suffocating pressure that they're under. Have you ever felt that way? That you were under that kind of pressure and that it's just going to suffocate you? They were under constant pressure from the government to worship the Roman emperor because, see, the city of Smyrna, though had a powerful church, it was an ally of Rome. The people loved the Roman government. It was strong. It was mighty. It would protect them. And so they were infatuated with the government and they worshiped the emperors. And, and at first they didn't want anything to do with it. But by the time uh, Domitian became the Roman emperor, he made it mandatory that all citizens would worship the emperor or face death. And all they had to do was burn a pinch of incense and say Caesar is Lord. But many Christians refused to do so. And because they did, they were considered unpatriotic traitors. And they were tortured. And they were placed on racks that stretched so far that their legs and arms were pulled out of sockets. Others burned alive and some suffered a Roman crucifixion. Have you suffered for Jesus? Another kind of pressure they were under was to worship pagan gods and goddesses. You see, Smyrna had a lot of religions. There were a lot of gods and goddesses in that time. And in addition, most of their social life were revolved around pagan worship. Christians were viewed as anti-social elitists for refusing to participate. Oh, you're too good for us, they would say. And they were persecuted for that. They suffered through poverty. There were see, two words used in the, Old, in the New Testament for poverty. And one just kind of means poor. But the one that's used here means absolute po poverty, possessing nothing. See, they weren't just poor. They were dirt poor. They had no food. They had no means whatsoever. Their poverty was most likely due to their faith in Jesus. Just like Christians in Ephesus that we talked about last week, they were hated, despised. Trade unions will have nothing to do with them. They couldn't advance in jobs. Their businesses were shut down. They were poor. But Jesus reminds them that they were poor here on this earth. But you are so rich. He reminds them that what you have in Christ is far greater than anything on this earth materially that you will have. A third form of suffering for them was persecution. See, they were being slandered by those who say they are Jews but are not. And see, Jews were... The, these Jews were physical descendants of Abraham. They were Jews by race and that's it. They had no heart for God, no love for God. They despised and hated Jesus. They used 
uh, the use of a strong term blasphemy indicates how evil, how wicked they were. Reporting false allegations. And for instance, they were telling them that they were practicing cannibalism because they were partaking of the Lord's Supper, eating of the body of Christ, drinking his blood. They're cannibals. They accused them of immorality because they greeted one another with the holy kiss. And these things went on and on and they made up whatever they could, a fourth form of, of suffering that they weren't facing yet, but would be soon. It came in the form of imprisonment. And we see that in verse 10. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and have tribulation for 10 days. See, they were thrown into prison, most likely with the purpose of forcing them to worship the Roman emperor. We're going to throw you in prison and make you do it. I want you to think about those trials and think about those levels of suffering that the Christians in Smyrna has to deal with. Think about that level of, of suffering that people in countries who cannot worship Jesus freely deal with. And allow that to just put into perspective what Christians endure all across this world. Because while we're reading about this in the church of Smyrna, these things still happen today. There are countries in this world that if they, if someone mentions the name of Jesus, they're put to death. And while you might think like these people are the ultimate enemy and these, you know, the people that are killing the Christians are the enemy. But let me tell you something. First nine and 10 goes on to tell us that the third thing we need to remember in order to suffer well, and that's the ultimate en enemy is Satan. Because see, it might seem like the emperor or the Romans are the, the real enemy. And, and and perhaps there there are people in the church who are just trying to make life hard for you, but they're not your enemy. The culture is not your enemy. The people around you are not the enemy. The ultimate enemy is Satan. And it's pointed out in these verses. It, it is in a synagogue of Satan. The Jews were being used by him to carry out the works of Satan. And people were being used by him throughout throughout time we see this we see it in our world today that in the midst of our suffering we have to understand that satan will do anything to stop good things that god is doing my challenge to you is that we need to be on guard we need to stand firm and stand and resist his attacks because you know it's spiritual warfare when you get discouraged by the things you hear said, he wants you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to move toward a spiritual revival. He wants to stop us. He wants us to not continue to press. He wants us to hit a little bit of resistance, a little bit of suffering, and then we give up. He doesn't want us to press on through. He doesn't want us to continue to, to push and press and get closer to Jesus because what he knows is that if, he, if we continue to press, if we continue to get close to Jesus, we get stronger, our faith grows, our belief gets rock solid in what we stand firm on, and it doesn't matter what he throws our way, we will still continue to be on top. We have to know that our, he is the ultimate, ultimate enemy. He doesn't want us to win. He doesn't want you to know that he loses. 
He doesn't want you to know that Jesus wins. He doesn't want you to know that he is the ultimate enemy. He wants us to rather be fighting each other and fighting the world rather than focusing on Jesus. And that takes me to the fourth thing we need to remember, and that's this. The ultimate solution is trust. Jesus gives them two instructions in verse 10. He says, do not fear. And that's the first thing he tells them is to be fearless. Do not fear. Trust me. You can't fear and trust. They can't coexist. So if I'm afraid, that means I'm not trusting God. And if I'm trusting God, then I should not be afraid. Again, they cannot coexist. Just trust the one who holds your life in his hands. So you're not suffering alone. When you're trusting Jesus, he understands that you're going through suffering, but yet he's right there with you, walking with you, and you can trust that he's going to get you through. The second instruction is to be faithful. 1 Peter 4.19 instructs those who suffer according to the will of God to entrust their souls to the faithful creator in doing what is right. Do not be afraid. Be faithful even if it leads to your physical death. Now that's the question that can be asked. Is can you be faithful and trustful to, until your physical death? And that really takes me to the leader of this church of Smyrna that we've been talking about. And his name is Polycarp. The one thing I want you to know about him is he was martyred. He was killed because of his faith in Jesus. And a lot of the details around his death, they're up for debate. But one of the things I want you to understand is this, that he was arrested as an old man and he was sentenced to be burned at the stake for his devotion to Christ. And the Roman proconsul took pity on him and I'm, I'm reading this, and he urged him to recant. And all he had to do was say, Caesar is Lord, and offer a little bit of incense. We talked about that earlier, and he would live. And this is the response from Polycarp. Polycarp. 86 years I have served Christ, and he never did me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The one thing we can say about Polycarp is this. It's a powerful example of how to stand in the face of persecution and suffering and knowing what the outcome will be if you don't. That you have so much trust and so much faith in the God that you served for 86 years that you can say, I'm not going to bow down to you and, and insult him, the one who saved me. Such a powerful, powerful message. And, and that's ultimately what, I'm, what we're talking about here with you and with us as we look at this. Because number five is this, the ultimate reward is life. In verses 10 and 11, he makes two promises. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life.
the crown of life it's a special reward for endurance in your persecution james 1 12 says this blessed is a man who preserves under trial um, excuse me perseveres under trial for once he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him see this this approval will take place when we as believers stand before the judgment seat of christ and he'll evaluate us for all the works we've done. And, and in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 14, it talks about that approval, that standing before him to be evaluated for our works. We will be rewarded for staying strong until death. The purpose of this cross or crowns is not, the purpose of this crown or crowns is not for you. It's not for you to carry around and have them and saying, look at my crown, look at look at what I have here, look how many, or look, look how beautiful it is. These crowns are not for the purpose of making you feel good about your life on this earth because we're told in Revelation 4.10, we will go before the throne of God on our knees and on our faces before him and we will cast our crowns at his feet. It is the way of worshiping him, showing him honor, and I tell you, I don't want to stand there before the throne of God empty-handed. I don't want to simply stand there. I want to be able to take the crown because I fought the fight despite the suffering, despite all the things I continued to stay faithful, even to the point of death, that I continue to do that. And see, here's the thing as we close out this episode. Suffering is always difficult to understand. We see the struggle even Jesus had to deal with. We see the struggles and the suffering that this church of Smyrna had to deal with. And if we're honest, we struggle with understanding why we have to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer, but we be naive to think that it's not part of the process. Because we can look at even Jesus and his life and we're coming up on Easter and we understand that the suffering that he endured lasted for a moment, but then he rose again. And I know that suffering doesn't always mean disobedience. Hear me. And I've said it this way. I've mentioned this before in an episode, a quote from Chuck Swindoll said it this way. When you suffer, that does not mean that you are disobedient to God. In fact, it might mean you're right in the center of his will. The path of obedience is often marked by times of suffering and loss. And even in the midst of our suffering, we know God is with us. Just as he is at our highest moments, he can be with us in our lowest moments. And it comes from us having relationship with him. See, the reason Jesus can say in the garden, if there is no other way, do it your way, is because he trusts God. Is that something we can say? Because we have to trust God in all we do and all we suffer. We have to continue to trust him because accepting this way of life doesn't absolve you from suffering, but it does guarantee you won't suffer alone. And I want to extend an invitation of prayer to anybody that's listening, that's suffering, to all our brothers and sisters and countries that you're hearing this, maybe for the first time, that you that you under 
the potential possibility of persecution for even mentioning or listening to something about Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you. And I pray a covering of protection over your house and your family. I pray that you continue to seek God even in the midst of suffering. I pray that you remain faithful, you remain steadfast, and that you understand that the ultimate, the ultimate prize is life. The ultimate enemy is Satan. The ultimate savior, the ultimate one is Jesus Christ. And if you stay focused on him, even to the point of death, you will receive your reward in heaven. So I thank God for you. I pray for you. I pray for your your spirit. I pray for your strength. I pray that these things will continue to uplift you and uphold you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of Vantage Point for part two of To Whom It May Concern. We'll see you back here in a few days for part three. And remember, keep seeking insight, keys, and perspective to everyday living through the lens of God. It'll change your world and your life. God bless you.